Hey everybody, Con Artist here. We're back post Genericon. We survived, gentlemen. Woo! Woo! Oh, okay. So Thank tired. goodness. I know. Thank you to everyone who came to all of our presentations. It means a lot to us because we do put in a lot of effort. So uh, it was a great time. And yeah, good job to Scott for running trivia for four hours straight, but that's no biggie, of course. <laughs> yeah, shorter than it has ever been before. Yeah. But, you know, good attendance, so everything went well. Awesome. Great job, Scott. Okay, so uh, let's let's just pick up where we left off, I guess. So, Dan, how's Handshakers going? It's on the same trajectory it's been since the first episode, straight into the ground and into the sub-basement. Uh, Excellent. So, awesome. I mean, they sort of broke away from the uh, typical two-episodes-per-matchup uh, two uh, thing for a minute, uh, there was a brief bit of, like, school festival cooking stuff, which I guess was supposed to make us think that the two characters had actually bonded somehow, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to take almost any further bonding exercise seriously when you literally have to be in her presence or she dies. Yeah, how's it going with that? Can she, like, use the restroom by herself now? Like, is is that a thing? Yeah, she can spend, like, I don't know, half an hour or so alone. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's still, that's still a thing that happens. Uh, so after the, like, utterly worthless, uh, school festival thing where she, like, learns about the art of cooking and all of that, and just, like, I guess they try to make her a more complete person, they go into their next, uh, they go into their next series of fights with an idol singer. And Scott, I know you'll love this in particular. She speaks oh. in 90% quotes. Quotes from, like, uh, everyone... Please tell me it's from, like, every American movie ever. Not movies, but actual philosophers or, like... Oh, was it? I think... Yeah, was it Winston so Churchill? So basically it was like watching Ghost in the Shell movie 2. Yeah, only, like, just absolutely zero understanding of the context of any of these quotes she just she just oh, used whatever huh. sounded good to her at the time i guess a bunch from like that's... gandhi and whatnot and in the end you learn out she's actually just a hollow shell of a person she's a failure as an idol after you after you uh after you watch them defeat her it turns out that she was just a loser who uh turned down some kind of deal with her uh original like company president or producer or whatever and it's just her and her manager uh, just desperately trying to, like, basically, you can't, they can't even fill, like, a community amphitheater. Oh, wow. That's kind of depressing. But I, I, yeah, I she, has a wish. If I she has a wish, so and her wish is think, to be an idol, what? I'm guessing. Well, yeah, her wish was to, you know, be a proper idol, I guess, but that isn't important because she lost. So and nobody you know cares what? about Good. you or what you want. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, except for her manager. Bless his heart, he's trying. But uh, yeah, no, huh. just oh, what what an awful villain. The worst uh, the worst part is, you know, I've said like the camera never matches the uh, like the the camera movement never matches the speed or like frame rate at which the background happens. It's like that only it's for her singing. Her her lip sync doesn't even try to match the words. It's embarrassing, frankly. <laughs> oh, that's that's just insulting. Yep. As a yeah, fan of most things idol related, not all, but most, that's insulting. Yeah, they couldn't even manage that. But Kiori can talk now. Whoop de doo. Yeah, the what? girl can t the girl can talk now. She had previously been completely mute. 
Now huh. she can now she can talk, and everything she says is pretty much I want to be with this guy like forever and ever. Blah blah blah. This is like a creepy RPG, Dan, where you just keep like unlocking features of this girl. Like voice stud. He has Speech been unlocked. Speech should not be like the last thing. I'm just pointing that out, guys. That's yeah. Oh gosh. She has no, no personality figures. other than wanting just to be the worst. Yeah, she has no personality other than wanting to be like with this guy for all time, which kind of makes sense considering how if they're yeah, not, I mean, she he dies. Is, he is sustaining her life at all times, so that isn't that unusual for her, I guess. I suppose not. But anyway, that's about all there is to Handshakers. Big reveal is that she can talk. They fought another loser battle. That's about all. Delightful. So there's no more revealing, more, sorry, no more reveals about God or like whatever the secret winning thing. I'm just going to call it the Holy Grail. Not because yet, but we'll find Day out. Night is a thing. Hopefully it never comes up again and the show ends. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I will laugh so hard if that's what it is. Like, in the end, they're all just holding hands. They're like, ha, 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 ha. No, don't let this turn into Symphogear. Symphogear's at least funny to watch. Okay, yes, yes, it is. Anyway, who's up next? Man, uh, I'm not, hmm. I'm trying to figure out if, uh, I'm trying to remember if the Penguin concert in Kimono Friends had uh, decent uh, lip sync. It probably didn't because <laughs> all other aspects of it were uh, were incredibly limited in animation. Like, Still, I'm Penguin fairly concert, certain there, like that sounds pretty good. I'm fairly certain there was never a uh, version of Idolmaster that was this low res. <laughs> now, Brendan, on a scale of... The penguins from Penguin Drum to the penguins, penguins in a Napoleon outfit. How cool are these penguins? Hmm. Wait, which end is which? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... They're okay. I mean, we don't interact with them for for more than an episode, and they have, uh, like, really, it, their episode asks more questions than it answers because, it, uh, like, they are the third generation of penguin idol entertainers. What? But Ooh. we're not really sure what happened to the first two. I guess it's implied that they uh, passed on some time ago. Yeah, they damn well did because there are no males left in this world. Uh, oh, another interesting revelation is that apparently Japari Park is an island, which really, uh, like, further raises questions as to how any kind of terrestrial animal gets here and then turns into an animal girl. Uh, I suppose Jurassic Park. Dumped. Well, okay, yes. It's, it's it's most likely that it was seeded by humans to begin with, with you again, know, and the, who are conspicuously absent. You guys keep saying words, and like every time the show just transforms in an instant to something else. Like Brendan will be like, "Oh, the Penguin Idol group." Like I don't know what happened to the previous penguins, but maybe they passed on. And I was like, "Is this show Haibane Renmei?" And then you're like, "Oh no!" But they're on an island. So how does anyone get here to become a Kimono friend? I was like, "So they're perfect insider." Like, what is this show? And then like the what is it? The mongoose or the snake girl? Last time was said something ominous and i was like what is this show like is this another like are they all gonna (laughs) die one by one like what is this show what are you kimono friends i feel confident that the word that was used by the um the legendary snake creature in the uh in one of our earlier podcasts would probably have been better translated as just disappeared 
Hmm. Uh, is that that seems more like what happened. I think the, uh, I think what was, was translated at the time was like annihilated, <laughs> which is a significantly more ominous. I was gonna uh, say, there's a lot more weight to that word. <laughs> yeah, more action implied. That reminds uh, me of uh, that wasabi woman thing. I don't know if I ever showed you guys that, but I'll have to show it to you. Our our mutual yeah, friend Jess Johnson sent us this ridiculous thing that this girl had to have made for like English 101 or something in Japan. Where she's like, oh, is it the was- superhero thing? Yes, where she's like, I'm wasabi. wasabi girl? Okay, I kind of yeah, remember. Yeah, she's that. like, I'm wasabi woman. Why wasabi woman? Because I like sushi and I am hot. And I was like, this. <laughs> and at one point, she like defeats people with the power of better words. Like the ones guy, she's the one guy's like, I'm hungry, and she's like, but I am starving. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. She just like defeats them with more powerful vocabulary. It's like they all disappeared. No, they were all annihilated. <laughs> So I suppose the lesson here is, if you're going to make something on the cheap, if you're going to spend that money you saved anywhere, it should be on your translators. Well, I mean, Crunchyroll isn't subject to the budget constraints of whoever actually made Komodo Friends. Fair enough, but I don't They're think They're subject to their own budget constraints. Which I don't imagine left a lot of cash for Komodo Friends. Seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, I wonder if, like, as it rises in popularity, like, as more and more people are talking about it, if, like, they bring over the A-team or give more budget or something. That would be funny. Kimono friend suddenly starts like obeying Poe's law or something. Well, it's more like a tournament fighter with all the shows this core, and like one must rise to the top and get the best translators. And Kimono <laughs> friend certainly started out as the underdog. Exactly, it's underdog Cinderella story. It's great, awesome. So, what were the were there anything any like bes- massive highlights? I guess yeah, anything besides a penguin concert. Um. Well, they've they basically figured out that humans are a thing that existed. And are uh, and they like they went to the library to learn this from a couple of owls that keep uh, watch over all the books. Of course, and... they are. <laughs> well, that's just a stereotype. <laughs> that's an awesome stereotype. Archimedes is the best owl. <laughs> Archimedes. Uh, there was a like there was a good scene where they were uh, they were trying to get the main characters to use one of the cookbooks to cook something. And so the, the human girl like figures it out and starts assembling stuff and makes up some fire. And like all the animal girls around her, like just staring at the fire in like mild terror. Oh no, man's red flower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I've only seen uh, seven and eight. I'm not uh, current at this time. I think, I think, Penguin Idols and Man's Red Flower are pretty good, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we needed the last episode. That's too much excitement for me in Kimono Friends. Like <laughs> Kimono right Friends. now, still better than anyone expected. <laughs> still better than Handshakers. Oh, oh yes. By the way, Dan, just as a quick aside, some girl came to me after bad anime and was like, "I have a bad anime suggestion." Um, Handshakers. I was like, "Girlfriend, Let me stop we you are right already there. living that dream." And she was just like, <laughs> "Oh, okay." I was like, "Oh yeah." So, <laughs> I don't feel, worry, Dad. I almost girl. feel bad. Doing I got you it. covered. But there is something. There is something to be said for everyone just gathering around a barrel and bringing out a shotgun to shoot some fish. Don't you ever just wish you had a shotgun? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Shinesman. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so more about March, because I love mm. that show. Um, love that well, March is effectively on cruise control at this point. I'll be talking about episodes 16 through 20 this round. Um, really, we're, we're at the Lion Tournament. I think I've said this tons of times now. We're spending a lot of time in the Lion Tournament. 
Um, it's it's really against so the Lion Tournament is against the current master of Shogi and this man named Shimada. the 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 show right now is really less about the tournament itself, so it's not really like Chihayafuru where you're watching these guys play Shogi and it's super tension filled. It's it's more about what it means for these two men to be standing on the same stage because the the current master he's almost like a He's portrayed in all the shots and from the coloring. He's really like a demigod almost. They're like, oh man, this guy is is just absolutely extraordinary. He, he there's there's no way Shimada can win. I, I I feel so bad for him having to sit there in front of this guy who's just just so amazing. So we get a lot more backstory on Shimada. And interestingly, the show gives you nothing on this the master guy. They just now, let please tell me the master of Shogi talk. is called the Shogun. Can he be called that? <laughs> I, I wish he could be called the Shogun. No, I think it's just something boring. He's just the Majin, like, for... Oh. They they couldn't come up with a better name. I think all men who are good at something are just a master. It's quite, okay. quite, quite boring. So, anyway, Shimada's the underdog, and, and we get a lot of backstory on how he came to, to like Shogi. Um, I think what's really extraordinary about his character, and I want to talk about a special moment in episode 18 is um, there's a sequence where Ray, the lead character, is helping Shimada practice for one of his matches. The Lion Tournament takes place over seven games. So uh, he's, he's playing against Shimada, and all of a sudden Shimada, like, they start talking out their moves the way you would in a chess match, like bishop to e5 or something like that. And all of a sudden, Ray, like, the scene goes entirely black and white, and Ray is suddenly being hit in the face by waves, yeah, water, like these giant waves coming up and hitting him. And then suddenly oh. he's being swept by the current of the water. And then all of a sudden he's dragged underneath the water. And the water is the only thing in color. Everything else is in black and white. And there's still like, there's this echoing motion of like bishop to e5, silver knight to whatever, to d3. They'll, they're talking their way through this game. And what it is, is this extraordinary display of the inner strength of Shimada's character. Because he is in total contrast to the current master. He's this guy who's like super thin, super pale. He suffers from extreme stomach pain. So he's always, he just looks very decrepit and everybody makes fun of him a little bit and he speaks very softly. And there's this inner strength to him that the show chooses to portray this way. Just just with this, you know, couple minute scene. And I was in complete awe of this scene. Like it's one of those things that you're like, there, there was no better way for you to tell me the inner strength of this man and why I have so much respect for the fact that he can sit on the same stage as the master than this sequence. So as I've been, you know, kind of hyping through this, this ever since the show started, like, I've never seen a show that can do this with characters quite the way March can. It's really just an extraordinary tactic that I have to give tons of credit to both the writer and to Shaft for really putting putting, putting such an amazing sequence of events together to tell character narrative. So really, really great stuff. Sweet. Mm, neat. But overall, the show is just kind of chugging along through the Lion Tournament, and I imagine that's how we're we're going to end. I believe Shimada has just lost the fourth game in a row, so uh, the show is only 22 episodes, so we're in the last two, which I imagine might be just more of Ray going about his day. But I, I think, unless the last two bomb it, this has been one of the most extraordinary shows I have I have ever seen. I love it to pieces. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, Pretty high praise. seeing how it ends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Scott, how's how's the conspiracy theory going? Starring Gene and his... Starring Gene s- Otis and his amazing cigarettes. Yeah, I was about to say, and his, like, smoking it up. Yeah, Akka is... Uh, so, episodes seven through nine are uh, being covered this uh, this time. Akka is getting really, really interesting. Uh, I mean, just, you know, mega spoilers, because that's what we do is we keep up with the thing. Like, Gene has been revealed to be sort of distant royalty. Like, he's part of the royal family, kinda. Oh, wow. Is it- Essentially, his, his his mother, like, wanted to go explore the country, and the current king was like, okay, you can go do that and take it, take my close advisor with you, whatever. Take take sort of your close advisor with you, but you'll be removed from the family register of the royals. Like, you won't be a formal royal. Uh, and so she went off, and she had kids, which are Jean and his sister. Uh, and at some point, the parents, like, the mother was killed in a car ac- a train accident. And so as now was it's just Gene. Fa- as was their father. As was their father, who's essentially a character we know nothing about. Um, right. And now that's sort of like coming to a head. So like that's why all the conspiracy people are interested in him because they want him to take the throne in place of the awful like current prince. Uh, so like that's why everyone thinks he's part of the conspiracy, and you know the the people of the royal family who want to keep power, like the prince, and I think there's like an aunt who sort of wants, uh, like, what was it, her daughter maybe to take the, like, the first princess to take the throne? They're all starting to notice and trying to come after Jean. So their, their plans are starting to go into motion. Mm-hmm. But there's still no indication about whether or not Jean is involved with the coup. Uh, I mean, he, he was not, at least not wittingly. He was basically just moving around from place to place, and all of the conspirators were essentially sizing him up and indirectly using him. Yeah, and like as of the latest episode, the chief guy in charge of Akka is revealed to be the coup plotter. Like, he wants this coup to put Jean into power so that the royal family does not dissolve Akka, which is what the prince wants to do. Yeah, he's basically... And they they show this not so much as a power grab, but more like, we need the status quo is good, not just to us, but to the country as a whole. And if this incompetent boob takes power, I guarantee you things are going to go back to the bad old days. Now, yeah, so. now riddle me this. Why can't everyone just appreciate the wonders of bread? And then there wouldn't be any need for a coup. Hey, they do go Jean's... into the to the wonders of bread. <laughs> Jean's mother was all about the bread when she made it to the to the area they live in now. Mm-hmm. I have to Good assume job, that... Uh, what it, What is it? Um... Badan is that the uh, yeah Badan yeah. is the area that Jean lives in and Doa is which where is basic lives. it's basically like New York whereas Doa is more like you know some kind of old European city and right. as far as I can tell uh, Badan Badan is essentially like America and it has been commented by you know people from Europe and elsewhere that our bread is ludicrously sweet so I assume that that's uh, where they're getting all of this from. Yeah, but so in short, it's really getting interesting. There's a lot of sort of drama playing out. Um, and all the character interactions that we've been building up so far through the show are really starting to pay off as you see things happen. Uh, partic- in particular, the interactions between the chief officer of Akka and another of the chief officers named Lilim uh, is getting really interesting. So That was definitely something, to look something I to. didn't see coming. Yeah, definitely. I, I will so. say that while it's really good on like the... The I guess the 
the grand scale drama getting you to think about these kinds of things about these you know the complexities of politics in such an odd system and also understanding how that system works well enough with all these independent states that's great and all but when it tries to put people in i guess what's closer to immediate physical danger it kind of fell flat for me like there's a point where um uh gene's sister is being uh i guess kidnapped by operatives from the royal family who obviously wish to do her harm there doesn't feel like any it doesn't feel like anyone involved in it appreciates the level of threat that's happening because the show is normally very it it kind of just ha it has this flow and anything that interrupts that flow is exceedingly rare and for whatever reason it didn't break out of it even though it's like these people have like locked you in this car and are going to kill you like somebody react to this please I'm sorry, you've thrown off the Emperor's groove. <laughs> it did feel Beware like that. Beware the groove. Beware the groove. Just, yeah, let's let's huh. not let the groove become a rut. Like, this, the show has been really good about what it does well, it does fantastically well. But when it tries to kind of step outside of that comfort zone, I feel like it hasn't quite gotten there yet. Maybe this will change by the end of it, but hmm, we'll huh. see. Yeah, that was like well, it's it still sounds like a really good show. Oh, absolutely. That's like the only complaint I have about it, and it's in that one specific spot, so maybe it'll just be glossed over by the end. Hmm. Hmm. Let's hope so. All right, so on to the next one. What do you got for us, Brennan? Kobayashi and Friends. Oh, yeah. So episode seven was, uh, like, each episode has, like, a subtitle in parentheses. So episode seven was Summer's Staples, parentheses, the fan service episode, frankly. <laughs> Wait, it I was said, so frankly. hoping you were going to say that, like, they go to a Japanese version of Staples and <laughs> in the summer, and then we're just like, oh my, look at these laptop bags. Yeah. Well, I tried. Okay, well, so the beach episode? Yeah, they go to the beach. And, like, Quetzalcoatl and her huge boobs are, like, present. Thanks, show. Central stage. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know if I'm getting desensitized to this sort of thing or not, but, like, really, the stuff that happened in episode six was really way more questionable than anything that happened in the actual fan service episode. Wow. <laughs> well, all right, then. It's like, because, I mean, Quetzalcoatl is still sort of hitting on, like, the kid whose name escapes me at the moment mm. but it's uh it's much less like let's just call direct. him shota for now <laughs> uh, uh that might actually be his name oh jeez of course it is come right on <laughs> of course it is well i guess some hey some girls are named yuri some kids are named shota what are you gonna do and then mm. there was that one time in risky safety that the girl's name was moe, moe. <laughs> it certainly was Hello, Miss Ugly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, they finally introduce like the last major character uh, who's been in the opening and ending for the entire time. Who is it? Fenrir the Wolf? Jormungand? No, we already, have. The no, we already have Fenrir. We have, we, we have Fafnir. Not, Fafnir. Oh, Fafnir. Not You're right. Fenrir. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Fenrir. So it might You're have right. been Fenrir. Right. Who is it? No, oh, it has it to be a dragon. A, oh. It was sort of a sea dragon lady. I was right. Jormungand. Leviathan. Uh, uh, she's called like Elma or Irma or something. I, 
Oh. All right. Oh. Yeah. I got nothing. She she just shows up to try to try to like drag Toru back to the uh the other world and so fails miserably. She's like the enforcer. Does she like have responsibilities back in that world or is it just like we can't have you being here. It's bad for our reputation. Um I don't it's no responsibilities so uh so pressing that somebody would actually come to get her because now she's sort of stuck here. She's that one awesome angel from Peta 10. That's trying to get everybody else to do the the right thing. Sasha or something? Sasha, thank you. Sasha, yes. Best it's character. Sasha. She comes down and she's like, why are you all idiots? And Misha's like, I don't know! Of course like, you don't, uh, because you're an idiot. It's true. Karma is kind of lawful stupid. Oh, okay. All right. But, uh, like, somehow she manages to get herself a job at Kobayashi Software Development Company. Wait, she's oh. a dragon. Does she even know what software is? Uh, she doesn't initially. But uh, Kobayashi sort of shows her, like, how to use a computer. And that's and all it takes? I assume she's more of a secretary. Like, remember for a long time, women in the office in Japan didn't do a whole lot. I don't know how much of that is still part of their culture. Japan! Uh, Seriously, we have these dragons coming to our country, taking our jobs. <laughs> Watch out! They're breaking in your windows, stealing your peoples, becoming your secretaries. Like, moving in with our women. <laughs> Horning in on uh, grade schoolers. <laughs> Down they with are, Quetzalcoatl. They are preverts. <laughs> I am just yeah. saying this. I'm just saying this dragon menace needs to be stopped. <laughs> and it's, it's the, uh, it's the grade school. It's the human grade school girl. That's like really the, uh, the one who's the more into it of her and Kana. Yeah. Which, like, had mild implications during the uh the what's the word I'm looking for? The sports day. Sports sports festival. Where it's like, oh my goodness, like being in like for the three legged race, being in direct contact with you is too distracting to run properly. It was like, come on. Didn't you uh, ever practice before? Come on. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean that went by pretty quickly. It's uh <laughs> it's still a little weird. <laughs> So no, does Kana, like, gracious. get what's going on at all? It's not clear. She's She doesn't show a lot of emotion. Uh, she seems aware of it, but I guess I'll have to keep watching. Hmm. What is more clear is that she uh, is latching on to Kobayashi as a mother figure. Aww. Which is adorable. Hmm. That's pretty cute. Yes. Good and there stuff. was like there was also a like a a thing where Toru figured out uh, that Kobayashi was seeing Irma at the office and like got you know jealous. Of course. So it's hopefully they did not resolve in the destruction of a city block or two. Um, I think they managed to uh, to avoid that. Yes. Aww. <laughs> huh. Just saying, you got a bunch of dragon, you got a bunch of dragons in some sort of like improper lover, lovers quarrel i want to see some destruction raining down that or i want to see the that or, that or i want to see like a bunch of knights suddenly show up from the other world and be like all right we're done with this i want to see them stare at the screen and go a giant chess piece chess piece oh shout out to idol project of all uh, things there was a lot of weird happening in that ova uh fair enough 
But, uh, no, no, man, that was wild cards. Oh, crap. Brendan. Hold on, wait a minute. Brendan. Of all, of all of us, why did Brendan not correct you? Brendan. Oh, I'm tired, man. Wow, you are too It's tired. the same guy. Fair enough. That's true. Close enough. There's cats in it. You know, you, you know the deal. It's good. <laughs> the it's cat good. girl announcer. Oh, it's the best. Oi. Right, somebody take over. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Good job, Brendan. Okay, you know what else is kind of creepy, but sometimes... Sometimes I don't know. If cute's the right word, but we'll endearing? we'll start off with the creepy. Yeah, maybe sometimes endearing is freaking Kuzu no Honkai. So let's talk more about that. All these people and their train wreck lives. Um, so I'll be talking about Kuzu no Honkai episodes six through nine in this one. Ten was released kind of as we speak, but uh, I obviously have not seen that one. So. Um, what's happening here is I, I think we're really starting to get individual stories and and how everybody's starting to, I, I don't know if resolve is the right word, but they're really starting to put massive blocks in place to make choices about some of their relationships. So we have Hanabi, the lead character. So she and she and Mugi decide that they're going to like tell their corresponding teachers that they have a crush on them. And they actually do it. So this isn't like a, and then we blushed a lot and it didn't happen until episode 13. Like, it it just straight up happens. So I was like, wow, oh, show. How rare. to take that initiative. Yeah, they take that initiative. But actually, this is where things got a little bit disappointing. Because, um, so Hanabi's been taking this very tragic journey wherein... In um, in episode six, she actually, she snapped completely because in ep- at the end of episode five, uh, the horrible, horrible music teacher was like, oh, guess what? I totally like slept with the other teacher. So hmm. take that. So she like crumples, Hanabi like crumples on the inside. And in episode six, she goes on this vengeance path where she's like, you know what? I'm just gonna become a horrible person. And I'm also gonna sleep with all the people who like the music teacher. So, Ha. And, of course, she doesn't because she can't bring herself to do that. But she's been on this horrible, destructive path that's like, if I become a terrible person, maybe that'll fill the void in me. And it really culminates in her finally telling her homeroom teacher that she's in love with him and just crying. And it breaks into this, like, really, really beautiful shaded shot. And it's like she accepts internally that she cannot be the romantic interest for him, but she also accepts that like all the time they spent together was beautiful time. And she's like, okay, I'm ready to move on now and like maybe actually try dating Moogie. And I was like, wow, good job, girlfriend. Like you made it. What really disappointed me was Moogie does the same thing. He goes to the music teacher and he's like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, oh, I'm in love with you too. And he's like, this what? is all, this is all lies. I know it is. I know it's all lies because she is just awful. And then in the next scene, they're totally sleeping with each other in one of those love hotels. And basically what he tells her is he's like, I know you are manipulative and promiscuous and everything out of your mouth is a lie. But I really, really want to save you from yourself. So if I sleep with you, I'm technically your first because I'm the first time someone's sleeping with you who's actually in love with you. And I was like, let me get this straight. Hanabi closes, not closes, but like goes through her whole arc and beautifully ends it on a strong like, I'm going to accept this heartbreak. And Mugi ends it on a, I'm going to sex some responsibility into you. Like... (laughs) What were you trying to show in that scene? And I was just like, is this a maybe like a really cynical point on the writer's part who is female, by the way, 
that like men can only solve their heartache through sex is this just a flawed Moogie's character completely. Like he he has such an intense savior complex or like that kind of complex wherein he he feels he needs to do this. I was a little torn on the writing for his character because he's been pretty put together this whole time. And as someone who was manipulated by sex as a middle schooler, he in turn is being manipulated once again. I was like, wow, man, you are really trapped in the cycle. Unlike Hanabi, who seems to have pushed out of the cycle, you are trapped in it. So perhaps that was really what it was about. But it was... It was a little disappointing to see. So I think the two of them are going to try and date in earnest. And I don't know now because he's slept with the music teacher twice now in the span of these three episodes. So wow. it's not looking good. They're not it's wasting not, any it's time. It's not looking good. Well, yeah, maybe anything could happen. Some people are just good at making bad decisions and sticking with them. Maybe You're the, right. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the conclusion... what it is. Maybe. And maybe it's also uh, leaving room for Hanabi to come in and essentially like snap him out of this. Or yes. get dragged down by him. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, yeah, we'll see how it goes with only like four episodes to go, I believe. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see. I do want to end on a, a note that'll hopefully make you guys laugh. As a quick aside, there's, to tangle things up even further, there's this girl who is a childhood friend of Moogie's who is in love with him. Oh, and course. he almost sleeps with her in one episode and then is like, no, 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 not her. Her of all people, I'm not going to like defile with my horrible man needs. So no. <laughs> And she, um, she has I an interesting complex, garbage. too. Yeah, exactly. I'm human garbage. No. So she has an interesting complex, too, because she has a bit of a what's known as princess complex, which I won't really get into. But it's fascinating in a sense of when you watch it, kind of how her, her scenario is totally different than anybody else's. But anyway, she kind of has also, in a way, let go of Moogie. And at one point, she looks at Hanabi, who get you know, she's like, oh, did you get rejected by the teacher? And Hanabi's like, whatever, what do you want? And she was, like, eating this Danish, right? And she goes, I just wanted to let you know that sometimes even a Danish you buy yourself from the cafeteria can taste good. And then she, like, smirks and just walks off. And Hanabi's like... Oh, that was her way of encouraging me to, like, walk forward all on my own, to not, like, need another person all the time. Because Hanabi's just been in this horrible cycle where she's, you know, been with her female friend, Echan, who also has an interesting arc this time around. She kind of, Echan lets go of, or Sanai, lets go of Hanabi, which is very, very important for her character, too, and kind of moves on. And it's it's nice for those for for that but i just i wanted to leave you guys with that moment to let you know that even a danish you by yourself can taste good Mm. i kind of want a danish Danish. oh great (laughs) i'm glad that's what you guys took away from my emotional story you know what scott how's the evil oh man the evil well it's it's going places uh so i'm covering episodes seven through nine and uh let's see what happens in these uh, I don't remember if I mentioned this last time or which episode it was exactly, but they, they've successfully sort of staged an invasion of whatever country is north of the continent, sort of like Scandinavia. I think I did mention that. Uh, and after that, they're kind of going back to essentially the uh, like the Western Front. So like I guess what would be present day like France, that sort of front. And uh, thanks to some of the research work that Tanya did when she was in university that has sort of made it up to strategic high command, they've sort of put the, like, legal framework together to be able to conduct 
like mass uh, bombing of cities, like with civilians in them, which is a set, like kind of banned under international law. But she basically found loopholes. Oh, only kind of banned? It, it It's banned, but basically she finds this loophole where like, you know, you, you tell everyone to evacuate and pull a bunch of other stuff. And then basically anyone left in the city must be uh, like an enemy. Uh, so then you just sort of indiscriminately attack it. And they're willing uh, to they're willing to open up this can of worms knowing that the uh, allies are more than willing to do the same thing against them, I'm guessing? Uh, well, most of the other countries sort of follow this stuff, and they are taking back, like, what was it, like, they took over a city, the enemy took it back, and now they're re-liberating it or something. Ah, so liberating. Right, so it's not actually their citizens that are getting bombed, but, like, it sort of was their city. Anyway, like, she set up the legal framework for this, and now it's coming to pass. So she's basically bringing World War II, like, Total War-style tactics into World War One. Which seems kind of odd because they didn't have the technology to do that, but I suppose when you've got mages on your side, anything goes. Right, the mage stuff and uh, the willingness the to use art- yeah, artillery on like really large scales against civilian populace. How uh, did the Nagasaki pamphlets go? We are in possession of the most devastating explosive ever devised by man. Uh, something like that. This was more like, hey everyone... Uh, all good citizens should leave because anyone left is going to be considered part of the like the militia, basically. Like there is a rebellion in the city. Uh, so that that goes about as well as expected. They end up bombing all these civilians. Her own men are sort of starting to crack under the pressure, uh, but she continues to push forwards. And high command is now entrusting her with even more, like, difficult tasks to somehow get Germany out of. The losing position it's in with everyone arrayed against them it seems really hard to picture them as the losing side when she has run roughshod over everything that's thrown at her but maybe that's just right my... but she's well she's only one person like she leads a 20 person battalion i mean the fronts are about as large as they were in world war one with millions of soldiers hmm. like yes even if she personally can kill like a hundred people with her artillery strike magic or whatever, that is a tiny fraction of any given front. And do we get to see any of the action on those other fronts in the non-magical uh, side? There's of plenty of non-magical battles sort of going on all the time, and then they kind of come in and act as a special unit. Okay. Destroying artillery pieces, killing enemy mages, or taking out certain objectives. Uh, like in the, the so there's the latest episode. There's a mass. It's gonna be a multi-part episode. There's a massive push to essentially stage a retreat into germany which is like to draw the enemy in then surround them and take out their main force uh which and they're going to use tanya and her group to try to decapitate the leadership uh by putting them inside v1 rockets and firing them past the defenses <laughs> so they can burst out and attempt to to take out like do the the decapitation strike now scott this is the one show that like you talk about every time on the bi-weekly, and I really have no idea kind of where it's going. I guess... I have no idea where it's like, going. Because it's all really about Where God do you even see the end her. game of the show? Well, the, the only thing of, of interest towards that and that's happened is that one of the other enemy mages that she has defeated, um, like, he, he ended up living through it somehow, and now he also appears to have been, been given powers by God probably to try and defeat her and make her life more difficult hmm. to try to end up proving God's point about praying to him. So, so the mirror match is coming. 
The mirror match or something is coming, but I'm not really sure if it's, again, to try to prove a point to her or to actually seriously try to take her down. I'm Like, I have no idea what God's plan is. Huh. Fascinating. And this is a it 13 is right? I think so. We'll find out. There's a lot going on. Clearly. Oof. Wow. Whew. But that's all all the news that's fit to print from Western Front. All righty, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening. That's the end for this podcast. We'll be back during the first week of April to wrap everything back up. Catch you then. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 